Amen. Thank you, Jamie. Appreciate it. And, uh, you know, you've been here for about 15 minutes, and you're wondering, you know, where's the worship set? And so today, we're actually switching things up a little bit. Today is the fifth Sunday of the month, and so as a church, which is generally, especially as a Baptist church, very sermon-centric, we really want to take the fifth Sunday of every month and say, no, it's not sermon-centric. Today is worship-centric. Now, everything we do is worship, but there's an opportunity for praise um, in the midst of our worship and to find ourselves uh, releasing ourselves to what God wants us to hear. So what I want to do right now is I want to lead us into that release. So 1 Corinthians is where our lectionary takes us to in this journey of the epiphany of Jesus. This is the last week of our sermon series of finding Jesus somewhere. And the idea of finding Jesus everywhere is an important asset, uh, uh, asset of what I've been preaching about over the last few weeks. Last week, G, uh, Jamie or Patrick talked about the idea of finding Jesus in the struggle. And Meshach, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was a big part of that story. And for me, one of the key learnings that Patrick shared and I heard was the idea that Jesus has appointments for us in, in a lot of circumstances of life. And Jesus is waiting for us in those circumstances. And sometimes we cancel those appointments because we just don't want to find ourselves in those places. And particularly the struggle, struggles of life. So here we are in week four of this Epiphany series. And we're going to find Jesus in worship today. But it requires two things. Worship requires two things. It requires one, it requires humility, and the other, it requires release. So 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. Paul is having a conversation about some questions that the Corinthian church had, and here's some of his introductory response. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent. I will frustrate. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him. God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand miraculous signs and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God... For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many of you were noble of birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of the world and, and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become 
for us, wisdom from God, that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let him boast, let him who boast, boast in the Lord. Father, as we go into this conversation, I love the words that speak of the idea that, you know, your wisdom is so much more wiser than man's wisdom. But not only that, but your foolishness is so much wiser than our own wisdom, and your weakness is so much stronger than our strength. Father, as we go into this conversation, may we be able to find ourselves in a place of humility, in a place of release, so that when we praise and worship you today and when we go into prayer, our focus is not on our own strength. Our focus is not on our own accomplishments. But our focus is on the one that gives us everything. His name is Jesus. So allow this message to prepare our hearts for that humility and that release. In Jesus' name, amen. Often I wonder what was wrong with the Corinthian church for such a, a letter to be written to them. A letter that speaks of the idea that your greatest wisdom is, is so much lower than God's foolishness. You know, and, and when I see these you know, words, I think to myself, man, these words are speaking directly to me. And Paul wrote the letter to the Corinthian church in response to some questions they had. But he also had a chance to smarten them up. I mean, humble them a little. One of the main reasons he wrote the book is to address the issues of division and immorality within the church of Corinth. The Corinth was experiencing internal conflicts and divisions, and there was also reports of sexual immorality among its members. Paul wrote to address these issues and encourage the Corinthian church to live in unity and holiness. Verse 26 says, Brothers and sisters, consider who you were when God called you to salvation. Not many of you are wise scholars by human standards, nor were many of you in positions of power. Not many of you were considered of elite when you answered God's call, but God chose those who the world considers foolish to shame those who think that they are wise. And God chose the puny and powerless to shame the high and mighty. He chose the lowly, the laughable in the world's eyes. Nobodies. So that he may shame the somebodies. You, you, the chosen one of God, are a nobody, is what the scripture's saying, but made into a somebody through Jesus. That's humility. That's humbleness. As we go into this week five of the month of January, my prayer, again, is that every fifth week we have a chance to really focus on worship. So if you don't like worship, this might be a good Sunday for you to skip. But if you don't like worship, you need to ask the question, why? Is it a humility issue? I don't like talking about it a whole lot. Uh, but one of my you know, most humbling experiences is finding myself in a place where I'm outmatched and outstrengthed and out whatever the capacity is, when I'm looking around, I'm just I'm a, in a humble position because everybody around me is stronger than I am, braver than I am, whatever it might be. And yesterday I found myself in one of those situations. I was humbled yesterday. And I paid to do it. 
I registered for this thing. It's called the Blizzard Beatdown. You know, you ever been truly humbled, but at the same time, feel like you accomplished something? This was a group of us from my gym that ended up in Dieppe yesterday. Some of my favorite people in the world are in this picture. And we all showed up at this gym and competed in this co uh, competition called the Blizzard Beatdown. <clears throat> and I think about this whole journey that I was on yesterday. It all is all in a culmination where I found myself in a place where everybody was stronger than I was. Everybody was uh, younger than I was. But I, I knew I had to, I knew I had to do it. I knew I had to find myself in a place of humility to accomplish something. From the time of the Tower of Babel, human beings have always sought to build themselves up. In the Corinthian church, what Paul is talking against is gaining success in all the wrong ways. One of the main problems in the Corinthian church was that the rich acted rich and the poor, poor wanted to become rich. Sometimes we have to ask ourselves or put ourselves in a place where am I in a place of humility and release? And that's where worship comes in. Worship is about being humbled, but at the same time lifted up. But that's not me. I don't want to be humbled. I don't want to. I want, in this world of North America, particularly in a capitalistic society, we don't want to be humbled. We don't want to be brought down low. I don't want to look foolish. In the end, humility is complete dependence on God. Humility is complete dependence on God. There's no need to be confused about what God values. As the prophet in Isaiah 66 says, the people I treasure most are the humble. They depend on me and tremble when I speak. Remember that David appeared to be arrogant, yet he knew that his ability came from God. For example, he says in Saul, uh, to King Saul in 1 Samuel, he says, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, deliver me from the hands of the Philistines. A key, a key expression of some such humble dependence is prayer. One of the greatest tests of whether a person is humble is their prayer life. How much insight from God do we forfeit simply because we do not ask God to show us unsearchable things. After all, God said through one of his prophets, Jeremiah, call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. So yesterday, I found myself in this gym, and one of my favorite pictures was, was this particular one here. I'm standing, and this, what's, what's happening in this situation is everybody's beating me. I'm with my partner Brent, uh, and we're, it's a partner workout, and I'm, I'm in this place where we know where to go and to finish last in this workout. But I've been called to this place, and why, why I like this picture is this, this is my moment of contemplation. And on the back of my shirt, I, I, I'm wearing this shirt, and it says, be strong in the Lord and with his mighty powers. And this is the place where I have to do this thing called this bar muscle up. Pre-COVID, I was able to do these bar muscle-ups. It's a, it's a tactic. Anyways, this is the picture of me trying to get this bar muscle-up. i got to get from the ground to over this bar. 
And, and I, you know, my coach is cheering me on. And <clears throat> I'm like, I, I don't think I can do it. And I'm like, and I, in that moment of humility, I said, God, you've brought me to this place. I need your strength. And, man, I, 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 with all the power, I, I needed to do this. And here I go. I'm up. And, and, you know, there's a moment where I was up there. I was like, thank you, Jesus. Although I was finishing last, and I knew I was going to finish last, that's that moment where I was kind of delivered from the humility into his power. And that's why I was wearing that shirt, and as everybody was watching me, they knew those words were on my back. And I just pray that as people look at those words, that my strength is not coming from me, but from the Lord. And that's why my favorite part of this picture is this guy's look on my face. <laughs> yeah, that guy's, uh, um, yeah, the guy's been doing the CrossFit for a long time, and it just, I just appreciate the look on his face. I've known that guy for 12 years. And I don't think he expected me to do it. But moving on, because you don't want me here talking about CrossFit for too much longer. But there was a moment yesterday where I was having a conversation with a friend of mine from the gym who had won his competitive side. He, he, and I was like, congratulating him. Man, that was awesome. And he says, no, but you know what was awesome, Brian, is you, you getting that bar muscle up yesterday. He says, you did well. I was like, thanks, Kevin. And in the end, I, I said these words together, and I said, I'm just trying to represent Jesus well. And he replied to me, Brian, you did a great job representing Jesus in the gym. I was like, thanks, Kevin. <laughs> now, I don't, yeah, let's, let's, let's not, not forget one thing. The reason I'm telling you this story is going back to the idea that sometimes we go into situations knowing we're going to lose, but gain so much more by just humility putting yourself in a place of humility. In the Old Testament, there were five levels of worship. And I say levels of worship because that's kind of the way the temple system worked. You can make yourself all the way to the temple. You can make yourself all the way to church. You can show up on Sunday morning at 10 o'clock, and you can find yourself at church or at the temple, but really you're just in the outside of the temple. You're on the outer courts. And there's kind of five levels of, of getting to that place. And each level requires another step towards humility, of recognizing that you're not there because of your own accomplishments. There's the outside of the temple where you just kind of find yourself with the, the mingling. That's where most people gather. Then you could find yourselves in what would be considered the outer courts. A lot of places that's where Jesus taught, in the outer courts, and that's where they hung out together. But if you wanted to get closer to God, there was a whole part of repentance and release that had to happen to get into what was considered the inner courts, where you began to draw closer to Jesus. But even to get closer and get into his presence, there was this holy place, a place where you would bring your offering to the priest, and the priest would do something sacrificial with that offering. But it required sacrificial giving. It required finding yourself in a place of humility. And then there's the Holy of Holies, the place where you found yourself. And the only way you can get into the Holy of Holies, which was the presence of God, is forgetting all about yourself and putting yourself in the place where it's just you and Jesus. So it's the fifth Sunday of the week or the month. How do we worship is the question I want to ask. 
not only is it about humility, but it's about release. Ultimately, the most important thing is to find a way to worship that resonates with you and that it helps you connect with something greater than yourself. See, that's who God is. He's something that is greater than us. And worship is all about finding yourself in the place that you don't see yourself as any greater. The humility and the release. So we're going to go into a time of worship. The worship team is going to lead. And what our instinct will be is to begin to maybe critique the worship and begin to say, ah, that's not my favorite song. And that's about you. Well, the, the, the lights are too d- dim. Well, that's about you. Well, the, the, you, know, you begin to think of things that you like, which is thinking of yourself. Release those things. If it takes you just closing your eyes for the entire half-hour experience and, and trying to say, Jesus, over and over again, okay, I'm here, I want to experience you, maybe that's what it takes. Maybe it's you just stepping into the aisles with arms extended without thinking about people around you, maybe that's the time to do it. We as a Baptist church are very common with thinking about how we look with worship. What are people going to think about? That's not typical. Whatever it is in this moment, I ultimately want you to think that the most important thing to do is find yourself in a place of worship that resonates with you, that helps you connect with the something greater. So the way it's going to look is I'm going to play a video. You're going to begin to draw yourself into that video because there are going to be words in that video that represent the creator of the universe. His name is Jesus. And then from there, there will be some songs. There will be some prayer. There will be some call for you to uh, put some prayer requests on on a prayer sheet or go grab a prayer uh, card, whatever it might be. In this half an hour at 383 Hampton Road, we're just going to find it a place between you and Jesus. Maybe it's uncomfortable. But that's what humility is. It's putting yourself in an uncomfortable place to find yourself with an unexpected outcome. Put yourself in an uncomfortable place to find an unexpected outcome. Psalm chapter 100, and then we'll play the video. And if you need to find yourself sitting, standing, kneeling, in the aisles, wherever you find yourself to be the most comfortable place. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise him, for the Lord is good. And his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations.